Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's been an incredibly eventful final week of the preseason, and we're still days away from the game against New England. Following last Saturday's 24-16 victory at Minnesota, a game in which Malik Willis played from start to finish because Will Levis was injured, Titans made several roster moves. Among them, safety A.J. Moore was waived about three weeks after he was signed. Defensive tackle Trayvon Coley, who was off to a good start with the in Tennessee's 2021 training camp before he sustained a season-ending injury, was brought back after a year on Chicago's practice squad. Plus, there was a major shakeup at kicker, which we will discuss further as we get into this thing. The joint workouts that were planned with the New England Patriots ahead of Friday's preseason finale were canceled after the Patriots dealt with a serious injury in their latest preseason contest. Titans dealt with a tragedy of their own when cornerback Caleb Farley's father was killed in an explosion that leveled Farley's North Carolina home. Farley, of course, has spent all of camp on the physically unable to perform list, and this is not the kind of thing that will help any player get ready for the season, I wouldn't think. Another wide receiver has been sidelined for a period of weeks by an injury, which creates some real uncertainty about who Ryan Tannehill will have as targets in the opener at New Orleans. And we should also note that former Titans wide receiver Corey Davis has announced his retirement. The 28-year-old was set to earn $12.5 million this season with the New York Jets in what would have been the final year of the free agent contract he signed when he left Tennessee. So, there you go. That sets up this edition of the Believe in Titans podcast with the uh, with the usual lineup, former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, how are you, sir? I'm doing good this evening. How are you doing, David? That's, that's good to hear. I'm doing great. And uh, John Glennon of the Nashville Post. John, how are you? Doing well. Hope the same for you guys. Doing great. Doing great. Denard, real quickly, I know you uh, you 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 liked Corey Davis when he was here. Um, you know, I, I think I think for most people, the easy th- the easy thing to do would be say, take another twelve and a half million dollars, grind your way through this season, and, and then move on. But uh, you know, certainly you can speak to the the fact that a player kind of knows when he's done, right? And uh, and Corey Davis, I guess it's fair to say he's done with the game at this point. Yeah, you know, Mercury Hayes. You know, the great running back of Miami once said, you know, sometimes the, you're done with the game and sometimes the game is done with you. And you would know it when you start contemplating retirement. And that's kind of the first sign. But uh, I would just like to say to Corey Davis, uh, I had a it was just an honor to cover him back in 2020. Uh, just one heck of a receiver. Let's not forget when this young man was coming out of Central Michigan, a lot of people compared him to the freak Randy Moss. You know, 6'3", 200-plus pounds, great speed. And the Titans took him fifth overall. And for most of his career, uh, David, he was banged up a little bit, had a lot of little injuries. But you saw those flashes in 2020, what got him that big contract by the Jets. And what a phenomenal year. But what I think about Corey, I think about resiliency, David. You got to understand, remember week 10 against the Colts? You know, he played after the death of his older brother, had, you know, died of cancer. 
David, that's that's tough. I don't know yeah. how anybody can do that, but Corey went out there and and he played through it, man. And and, and I just I can't forget when this team declined him uh, that fifth year option at the beginning of the season. And that first game against Denver, CD came out and he kind of made a statement. You know, over 100 yards receiving, he he was the difference maker of why Tennessee was able to win that game. What was it 16 to 14 against the Broncos? And when when none of us anticipated there was going to be any games that year. And I mean, what a remarkable, remarkable career. And David, last but not least, I go back to the game in 2021 when the Tennessee went up to New York and they, he had his finest game against the Titans. Absolutely torch. Yes, he uh, did. Torch the secondary. I mean, he made a statement to Mike Vrabel like in your face. So again, Corey, man, congratulations. 28 years old, too young, but guess what? Life goes on. Yeah, and, and you know, he's the kind of guy that that – it doesn't surprise you that that he would make this sort of decision if if it was at all on his mind. He he's a he's a thoughtful, sincere guy who's you know we we talked about him a little bit last week and and a guy you you can't say he was a bust. He's he's had a good career. Did he did he live up to the expectations created by being drafted fifth overall and being the first receiver selected that year? No, he probably didn't. But but there were there were some really interesting and compelling moments like he went through his entire rookie year without a, a touchdown and then in his second playoff game a, a loss to New England that year he scored two touchdowns and uh you know had a, had another one during the the 2019 run when when he he caught the uh, jump pass from Derrick Henry at Baltimore and uh you know seemed seemed certain to get to a thousand yards in uh in, in 2020 and then that last game came up lame couldn't uh i think it was on the opening drive of the game and couldn't uh couldn't finish and ultimately came up just short so you know it was it, it was an interesting he was an interesting guy to cover and and, and john I'll, I'll let you get the final word on Corey davis uh um all in all a, a good pick for the titans right and and would you say and and a you know, good career, if not, you know, if not as great as people wanted. Yeah, you know, I, I think we all liked Corey Davis. You know, I, I think the Titans were in a desperate situation. Uh, you know, the year that they picked Corey Davis, and that they were desperate for wide receiver help. What, what, what a shock! The Titans desperate for wide receivers, right? Uh, um, and and that's why. And it was not a great year for wide receivers. And that's why the Titans felt like they had to get a guy, a wide receiver at number five. You know, a lot of people felt like it was a reach at, at the time. And, you know, overall, in, in retrospect, it, it probably was. You know, I think Corey Davis was good, but, but not great. Um, but a couple of things uh, maybe to point out, too. Technically speaking, uh, you know, he never used the word retirement um, today. He said he's stepping away uh, from the game. So, you know, I mean, it sounds like he's done, but but didn't say retire. So. You know, maybe if he's looking to work some things out personally, you know, he'd been away from the Jets for 10 days on, like, personal leave before he made this decision. So clearly some things were going on that maybe maybe he can get straightened out. Uh, um, but, you know, it, it was uh, interesting, too, I thought. Well, well, two other things. One, you know, there was an outside chance, you know, that, that he may have been cut, um, you know, by the Jets coming up because they've got a pretty full receiver room. You know, Garrett Wilson – uh, you know, McCole Hardman, uh, Lazard, Randall Cobb, you know, just to name four right there. So would they have kept Corey Davis at, you know, $10, 12000000 million? There, there was some question 
a little bit there. But uh, and lastly, I think it's kind of a testament to kind of what kind of guy Corey Davis is that the, the Jets had a string of, of people, you know, wishing him well, commenting on, on what a great guy he was, not just teammates, but, you know, like basically the owner, Woody Johnson of the Jets, uh, you know, Robert Sully, the head coach, on and on and on. Uh, you go down the list talking talking about Corey Davis, uh, you know, kind of a testament to kind of the impact that he uh, he left up there. So maybe, you know, maybe it's, again, a situation where Corey Davis has to has to get some things straight. And and uh, Robert Sully, the Jets coach, said, hey, you know, the door's always open, you know, if, if he's interested in coming back. So maybe we haven't seen the end of Corey Davis uh, overall, but but certainly, you know, it looks like for this year anyway. Yeah, and, and if we have seen the last, salute to Corey Davis and, and good luck with uh, with whatever comes next. Um, I mentioned this a few minutes ago, big shake up at kicker. I, I don't think any of us saw this coming. Uh, both rookie kickers or both young kickers, if you will, uh, Miss, Mr. Shudak and Wolf have been released and uh, and Michael Badgley was brought back. And if that name sounds familiar, it was because Michael Badgley was the kicker for the Titans in the 2021 20, season opener against Arizona, a disastrous game in which his performance was uh, was right on par with most of the rest of the team. And uh, he was he was released following that game. And, and Randy Bullock was promoted to the uh, the practice squad. Denard, uh, what what do you make of this move? It, I, I mean, we we assumed that the Titans wanted to go young and inexpensive at kicker. Did it, it? You think Rand Carthen and Mike Vrabel decided that's a risk they can't take right now? Personally, I think they had enough. It's the kicking game. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I told you it's going to be a lot of changes, but I didn't see this coming uh, at least this fast. And I tell you what. David, you know what I don't understand understand about the National Football League is Michael Badgley, what he was the opening opening day kicker in 2021 against Arizona, had a terrible game. Terrible. So now, so now you're going to bring back the same guy that you released just a couple years ago, you, and you think he's going to solve your problems. Yeah. You got to help me. Yeah. To, now, to be fair, Mike Vrabel said he's the next guy who's getting a chance, and uh, and, and which was not exactly a, a ringing endorsement. And 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 all of a sudden, you know, to me, it, it, am I the only one who this feels like? Okay, th- th- this off season and now the the remainder of the preseason and camp is is all is all basically a fact finding mission. And meanwhile, Randy Bullock is sitting somewhere by the phone waiting for the Titans to call him, assuming he's going to get the job in week one. I, I, I mean, John, what, what do you think? How good are the chances that Badgley is the guy in new Orleans? Yeah. I mean, do you think Badgley keeps the job or do you think it's Bullock or somebody else? Like where do you, where do you think this thing's going? Yeah, I don't think it's at all a lock that Badgley has this job by any stretch. You know, I mean, the Titans certainly aren't afraid of of, of making some personnel moves and then making them quickly at a kicker. You know, I I was a little puzzled. I, I certainly saw, you know, Troy Wolf seemed to be the guy who was losing the competition with Caleb Sudak. Um, Caleb Sudak, I'm a little puzzled. I, I didn't see exactly what he had done so awfully to get but. You know, I, I could see maybe, you know, bringing in Bagsley and Shudak and having a competition there. But Bagsley, you know, Jimmy, uh, or excuse me, but uh, Shudak 
Jimmy Wyatt keeps, you know, the stats for, for all the practices and so forth. Uh, and, and leading up into the practices at Minnesota, Chudak had gone 46 of 51 uh, in field goal attempts. Pretty good, over 90%. Uh, you know, he hit his only field goal attempt in the preseason. Now, one of his two kickoffs went out of bounds in the, in the preseason games. Not the end of the world. You don't, you don't like it. Um, and, and from what I gather, uh, you know, they, they didn't keep kicking stats up in the Minneapolis practices, but maybe the kickers struggled with the wind a little bit up there. But nonetheless, it, it would seem a little harsh that, that Shudak got the boot. You know, Trey Wolf, you know, he, he, uh, he doinked an extra point. He mixed a, missed a field goal. He wasn't as good in the practices as Shudak, so I saw that coming. But I, I, I thought Shudak deserved better. Uh, you know, Bagley's been good. You know, since that awful day he had with the Titans, he's actually been pretty good with the two teams uh, he's been with. I think 42 out of 49 uh, over the last two years, including 11 of 14 from, from 40 yards or more, you know, which is pretty good. But at the same time, he's been cut by those two teams, or, or two more teams, I should say. Uh, by Detroit and and by uh, the Commanders also, so uh, and, and then it didn't help him either that his first day of practice was not a good one with the with the Titans either. I think he went like nine for thirteen. So and and Michael Mike Brabel as you as you referenced David didn't exactly uh, you know give him a big pat on the back. Said you know yeah he's the next guy up there. We'll look at some other guys too. So it's entirely possible to me that you know there's always some field goal kicker competitions around the league. Other teams you know that that a good guy gets cut or right leading in. And and maybe that's where this thing lands. Maybe there's still a guy that's really talented that's going to lose one of these field goal kicking competitions right here at the end. And, and the Titans end up taking a look at him also. I'm with you, though, that the shoot act thing stuns me. I mean, they liked him enough last yeah. offseason that they, uh, you know, they, they got him to the start of the regular season, put him on injured reserve so that they could keep him around and, and then eventually give him a chance, you know, get him activated late in the year. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I'm with you. I, I, you know, just, just from my perspective, he, he looked to be kicking the ball much better than, than, than Wolf did. And, and it, it you know, the, the, I liked his trajectory on his kicks. It, you know, it, if if the issue was a win in in Minnesota, I mean, this kid kicked at Iowa, right? I mean, like he's <laughs> kicked in the wind. Certainly, you know that that wouldn't you know maybe if you have a bad day, but that that shouldn't be an issue that he can't uh, can't overcome and and certainly hasn't dealt with. So that's why I, I go back. I I just almost feel like Randy Bullock sitting there and and said, "Hey, I'm ready. I just would rather not go through training camp or something like that," and maybe. Maybe that's what the the Titans are doing now is just uh, is just rolling through trying to trying to gather information on guys in case they you know whether it's Bullock whether it's somebody else they have in mind whoever it is if uh, if that person gets hurt during the regular season they have to uh, they have to make a move but it it was certainly certainly one of the more puzzling developments of the off season to this point and. Speaking of injuries, I mentioned that, that Will Levis was hurt last week. Not a not a serious injury. It looks like there's a good chance he will play against uh, uh, against New England in the preseason finale. But uh, his absence against the Vikings meant that uh, Malik Willis played start to finish, and uh, what I, I think we could all agree was a was a big opportunity for Willis. He didn't. Uh, 
didn't exactly overwhelm. Um, he wasn't he wasn't terrible. He wasn't great. I mean the the stats: ten for seventeen for eighty five yards, one interception, and one touchdown. Uh, Eleven rushes for ninety one yards. He, uh, he you know looked looked mobile. Looked uh, you know as as we said after the the first game, you see him moving around in the pocket, but keeping his eyes downfield, which uh, which is certainly what the coaches want from him. Uh, Denard, as as you watched that game. How much did you like or or not like from what you saw in from Malik Willis in this one? Well, you know he's he's still in the growth process. Uh, when I go back on the uh, first one, it was in the second quarter, and that's when the offensive lineman Corey Levin he had got beat by the defender from Minnesota. That's they were running that kind of that zone read, and unfortunately, when when the offensive lineman when he got beat. Uh, you saw number 52 was able to stick that big old paw out and strip the ball from Malik. But what I didn't like about that play, and that shows you the youth, is the fact that he tried to pick it up, David. And when you try to pick it up, this this is not yeah. what you play when we go outside and play a recess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that, That'll work. That'll work when we play a lot. But hey, I tell you what, any commentator or any great quarterback will tell you, Malik, just fall on the ball. It's first down. It's, you know, listen, fall on the ball and just live to, you know, play another down. So I didn't like that about him, but he tried to make something happen and I can't fault him for that. But on the interception, now that got me because Malik is a lot better than that at this point, at least this stage of his career. I thought, first of all, it was a lazy route um, by the uh, receiver. And who was the receiver on that play? McMath. He was trying to do the in route. And Racy basically ran right to the linebacker, uh, Troy Dye. And some, what they teach receivers, David, is when you're running inside and let's say that linebacker drops, you don't run right to the linebacker. You find some space. You find some what we call some free space. Get open. You don't necessarily have to run to that spot. But he ran right to the linebacker. And Malik just threw the ball. It was a lazy pass, which was unacceptable by Malik because he's better than that. And, and I just – I didn't like that. and But for the most part, I, I thought he played decent. I didn't think he played like he played last week. I thought on the goal line play, let's give Minnesota de- uh, defense some credit. Uh, I thought they uh, – who was that? Louis Cine made a, that safety, uh, made a great play. That's a great tackle. That's a hard tackle to make on a player with the athleticism of league. But other than that, I just didn't think he looked well. Uh, he didn't play very good. But on, for the most part – uh, I still got him as my number two quarterback going into uh, the at least the last preseason game and, and opening up against the Saints. What about you, John? Where where did did, did Malik help himself, hurt himself in in that battle for the number two spot in this game? Yeah, I, I'm kind of torn. I don't I don't think he helped himself a great deal uh, because you know as Denard referenced, I don't think he was as good as he was in the in the first game. Um, you know, so I, I, I wind up thinking that he is probably, you know, more entrenched as number two, but that may only be because Will Levis, a rookie, missed a, a game entirely. And when you're a rookie and, and you're still proving yourself and you miss an entire preseason game and a few practices, you know, you, you wind up, it's more difficult to make a claim at number two. So, you know, maybe Levis, uh, you know, uh, he, he was back practicing today. You know, maybe he has that um, opportunity on Friday. Maybe he gets a lot of reps. Maybe he gets that chance 
to, to shine and, and lay another claim to, to number two himself. But just, you know, it, it's hard to judge Willis sometimes, I think, because, you know, sometimes he moves the chains, but a lot of times it, it's more with his legs than with his passes. You know, I, I think on the, I was just looking at it real quick. I think on the Titans, three touchdown drives, I think he, he wound up completing a total of three passes. Uh, you know, now again, he, he he ran 11 times for 91 yards. But at some point, do you have to be doing more of that by passing? Or or is it okay if you, if you just, if you're, if you're running for, you know, regular significant gains like that? I don't know. I think you have to show a little bit more in the passing game. And, and the thing that, you know, numbers-wise that I, I didn't like about Willis's performance um, was that, again, we went backward a little bit in terms of that getting rid of that ball quickly and making quicker decisions. Uh, you know, it was like I think it was over half a second longer in terms of the time before the, the before he threw the ball against Minnesota than it was against Chicago. And now when you look at overall numbers in the preseason, he's back up to the second longest holding the ball before the throw which is not a, a good area for, for him to uh, to be in. And and the ball security, too. You know, he fumbled twice uh, in this game, I think recovered both of them. Uh, but, again, that that's something that's become a, a consistent issue. So there were some good points, uh, yeah, but but not enough, you know, to, to put an exclamation uh, mark next to that, I'm number two. And, and you know, it's more like I'm number two because Will Levis didn't get a chance to play, and he's still a rookie. You know, as opposed to uh, you know, I'm number two because I'm really making strides. So again, we'll we'll have to see what happens. Uh, you know, this this Friday and whether we see a change in either of those guys. And, and you, you make an excellent point, I think, in terms of you know how responsible a quarterback is for you know creating things and 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 helping get the the ball down the field. And you think back to last season, you know, the, the Titans beat the Texans with Malik Willis doing. The, the bare, the absolute bare minimum, you know, almost beat Kansas City with, with him doing the same sort of thing. But then when you get to the end of the year and they got to win a game somewhere, they decide, you know what, we need a quarterback who can do more than than this guy can do for us. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I assume, and this is just me guessing here, but if if Will Levis is healthy enough, Levis probably starts this game against New England and, and may, you know, plays through the first half at least, I would think. And, and, you know, where they, they give him several series in a row, which, which of course he didn't get in, in the first preseason contest. Let, let him manage those situations. Hopefully maybe he even gets a, a two minute drive before halftime. And, and then at halftime you evaluate, okay, do we want to put him back out there? Or do we want to, uh, do we want to look at Wilson? And, and I think we should note too. I I, th- I don't think this, you know, as we're talking about backup quarterbacks, I think it cannot be ignored that the San Francisco 49ers have said Sam Darnold is going to be their number two behind Brock Purdy. And Trey Lance is, is I, I would assume, out of the mix, you know, likely to be traded at this point, do something. It, it, it's no, you know, it's no secret that the Titans had some talks with the 49ers during the offseason about Trey Lance. I, I mean, just real quickly, Denard, can you see Trey Lance coming in here and shaking things up at the at the quarterback position before the start of the regular season? Yeah, yeah, I think he's on his way. <laughs> I, I really do. I mean, he has a relationship with Rand Carthon. We know that these two are very close. And if you're third, not to mention, you know how he much. He might be money. fourth. 
He might be fourth. the fourth guy in San Francisco. Well, first of all, Brandon Allen on, is three. Well, the way that you said that, first of all, when you started when you uh, started talking about that, my heart kind of dropped because I thought you were going to say San Francisco is going to name Sam Darnold as their number one quarterback. <laughs> I said, you know what, I'm out of here if that's the case. But <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Remember, they're still trying to finalize this roster. And, hey, listen, the biggest issue we, we have right now is not the offensive line, not the defense, but who's going to be the backup quarterback? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if the next week or so that the Titans make some kind of move to get Trey Lance in Nashville because of the relationship he has with Rand Carthon. Listen, if he's number three or four in, in making the kind of money that he's making now, I know right now he's still on his rookie contract. You got to get rid of him if you're San Francisco, and I think this would be a good place for Trey Lance uh, in Tennessee. And, and and John, it would it would make it would make Rand Carthen look like a genius, right, for not having pulled the uh, pulled the trigger during the offseason. Because I assume you could get him on the cheap right now, don't you think? Well, probably. I mean, there's certainly you know the word is that that San Francisco is is trying to trade him. Um, you know, and and yeah, they the. Obviously, the the haul uh, uh, the 49ers will be getting in for for Trey Lance will not match what they put out for Trey <laughs> Lance, which I think was three first round draft picks. Um, I I don't know I, I I don't know if I see it though. Um, you know the the Titans already have obviously two young developing quarterbacks that they have sunk some time into. Uh, um, you know, do they obviously if you're if you're trading for Trey Lance, I would you know it's almost a certainty that one of these guys is going to be gone, whether it's Malik or or Will Levis. You're certainly not going to have four quarterbacks on a uh, on a roster. Um, and and you know if, if you're talking about young quarterbacks, why not keep the ones that that you know you've already worked with uh, here in in Tennessee as opposed to bringing in somebody brand new, you know right right before the season. And I'm still, you know, you're going to have to give up something for Trey Lance. And I don't know if the, the Titans want to give up that that capital. So, the, I mean, the connection part of it certainly makes a lot of sense with Rand Carthen. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, if I had to put a dollar on it, I, I wouldn't see it happening uh, here. But uh, who knows? We'll, we'll see. I, I think I think you trade for Trey Lance and then trade Malik Willis. I think you could get – more for Willis than you'd have to give up for Lance right now. I agree. I agree, David. I don't know. Has Willis has Willis shown enough? You know, I just don't think he's shown enough that that he's going to be worth too much. I mean, the, the the starts that he had last year, he was replaced, and it's not like he's lit it up here in the in the preseason either. So, Denard, so, you were saying I got a question. Wasn't it in 2019 that the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans was Marcus Mariota? For six games, yeah. For six, but okay, he was replaced by a quarterback that was taken very high for the Miami Dolphins that they ran right out of Miami and went down. So anything is possible if that can happen. Why can it happen now? I mean, and, and I and I have to believe there's an offensive coordinator out there somewhere who is telling his GM, "If you get me Malik Willis, I can do some things with that guy." You know, the, the Titans have made it very clear they want Willis doing a, a certain set of things, which which has surprised me. I, I thought the Malik, the decision to draft Malik Willis 
went back to that 2021 opener when Kyler Murray was impossible to tackle and and did the things he did. And I, I thought the Titans saw that and said, that's where the quarterback position is going. We need to get a guy like that who can do those sorts of things. And and ultimately, it's been the exact opposite. They they have tried to fit Malik Willis into their box. And I, I think I think there are other coaches around the league who will say, no, no, I love what that guy can do. I, I'll I'll tailor my offense to him. I, I think you can I think you can get something for him in the trade market. I really do if uh, if it comes to that. And this will be this will be this will be really worth watching over the next week or so. But uh, regardless of who's in that quarterback room, there, there's going to be a, a shortage of targets. It looks like for the next couple of weeks following Traylon Burks's lateral collateral knee ligament injury last week. Kyle Phillips is now out with an, an MCL injury and, and probably will will miss the the start of the regular season. Not not too far into it, but uh, um, Denard, how much harder is DeAndre Hopkins' job getting here all of a sudden when you don't have uh, when you don't have the guy who's going to start opposite you and the guy who's going to be you know supposed to be your primary slot receiver now? Well, David, you said but uh, before they signed D Hop that uh, D Hop said he can. You know, he can still get you about a thousand over a thousand yards receiving. <laughs> well, we about to find out very yeah. quickly because it probably week one to what, what first three weeks of the season, he he's probably going to be your best target other than Nick Westbrook Akine. So this is a tough blow for Tennessee. I know Kyle was banged up last year. I hate to see see I hate to see that, but it just opens the door for a lot of young receivers to step up and prove that they're worthy of a spot and they can contribute to this team. Uh, David, uh, when you sent me the information, you and John, when y'all sent me the information early, I went through this receiving core, and there was about three names that I circled. And how ironic, Colton Dowell is still, unfortunately, like Tennessee, the last few years, they've cut their later later round draft picks, but he's still on the roster. So we talked about his upside being about 6'4", the seventh rounder out of UT Martin. We talked about his, his explosiveness. Colton Dowell, Racy McMath, we talked about last week. What is he going to bring to the table? This is his third year. I'm sure Tennessee is saying, listen, we need to see some kind of production out of you. You've been banged up for a few years. We took you out of LSU in the sixth round in 2021, but you really haven't done anything. You haven't even really uh, contributed on special teams. So this is a great time for these two, I mean, especially Racy McMath, and not to mention you still have the veteran Chris Moore. So they still have some, some guys that potentially can be playmakers, but again, it, it's a lot of question marks behind DeAndre Hopkins and Nick Westbrook-Ikena at this point. And, John, what what does this do? How does this muddy the waters in terms of, of building the uh, the initial 53-man roster? I mean, if, if you think Traylon Burks is going to miss one or two games, for example, you're not going to start him on injured reserve for the regular season, right? You want him in there as quickly as possible. Same thing with Phillips. I mean, they, they've got to make this determination, right? If if these guys are, are these guys going to miss one game or are they going to miss three? Because if they're going to miss three, then you can put them on injured reserve and, and bring them back after that. Uh, you know, how, how complicated is, is the roster math going to be here, do you think? Yeah, it does muddy the waters because, you know, uh, in order for these guys to play during the year, uh, Burks and Phillips, they have to be included on the 53-man roster, which is named, you know, on August 29th after final cuts. Um, so you're going to have to put them on that initial 53, even though they're they're hurt. And then, you know, if you have to say, if you have to add, you know, 
two receivers or one or two receivers to the group that you, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have anyway. If you have to add one or two because of those injuries, that's obviously taken away from another position. That's that's eliminating one or two other guys who you would have had make the roster at another position. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a difficult situation. And then, as you say, once they're on the initial roster, then you have to immediately say, okay, how long are these guys going to be out? Uh, if they're going to be out for four games, okay, we put them on IR and that's that. But it's sound, you know, just the kind of the unofficial timetables we've been hearing makes it sound like maybe they're sort of in between, you know, that they maybe miss one or two or three games. So you wind up keeping them on the roster. Uh, you know, and again, those are those are two guys who aren't going to play maybe for a few games, but you still have to hold them on the roster spot because you don't think they're going to miss an entire month. So it gets kind of gets kind of complicated. And, and, you know, as a result, you know, you, you kind of wonder, obviously, the hop NWI and, and Chris Moore are your, are your top three receivers. Those guys are, are going to be locks as the top three. But if Burks and Phillips uh, both, you know, are, are hurt early. Do you, do you have one extra receiver more than you might have earlier? You know, is it for me, maybe it's a guy like, you know, a very polarizing guy for, for Titans fans, Mason Kinsey, uh, because, you know, he can he can take on some of the duties that Kyle Phillips did. You know, he can return punts. He can play a slot guy. He knows the system, obviously, inside and out. He, he can play outside if absolutely necessary. Uh, you know, and you feel safe at least with him out there as opposed to taking a chance with maybe an undrafted free agent or something like that. So maybe he's that that extra guy that you add if uh if, if Burks and or Phillips isn't able to play. And then your next guy, in my you know, my opinion again, McMath, you know, has been up and down, but again, he, he's the least comfortable in the system. He can help on special teams uh as well. So maybe he's your next guy if you need two guys. Um, if Burks and Phillips are both down for a few games. But there's other guys, you know, as we've talked about, there's Colton Dowell, certainly a possibility. Uh, Kyrus Jackson's back practicing again. You know, Reggie Roberson has flashed at times. Uh, and then Gavin Holmes and Treshawn Harrison. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a muddy situation, as you as you say, David, at wide receiver. Yeah, and 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 it's one thing to to cut a guy on August 29th and say, Look, we're going to put Kyle Phillips on injured reserve. We're going to sign you back as soon as we do that. But that guy's got to go through waivers. You know, he could That's he right. could end up in Chicago or Seattle or or San Francisco or, or wherever. I mean, that that those are the risks you're, you're going to take. And and you know, like one of the positions we're, we're we're about out of time here. But you know, you look at the running back position where you know Derrick Henry's got his job. You know, Tajay Spears is is going to be a big part of things. You still have Hassan Haskins and Julius Chestnut, two guys who were who were on this roster last year and. and you know, both have their virtues. It, the chances of you being able to keep all four of those guys at, at the start of the season looks a looks a lot smaller, and you're going to be exposing, you know, presumably either Haskins or Chestnut, for example, you know, a pretty good player to waivers. And uh, uh, you know what what happens at that? I mean, that's it, it's a crapshoot. John Robinson said after last year's final cut that that they didn't think they could get Chestnut through waivers at that point and uh and here he is a year later you know he's looked good in the first two preseason games looks faster looks more decisive uh, you know I, I would assume it'd be harder to get him through this year if uh if that's the decision that they make so uh so real quickly as we wrap up here Denard one quick thought what what do you want to see in the last preseason game 
I just want to see that uh, the backups, that backup offensive line get better. They need some depth at offensive line, especially this has been a unit been decimated by injuries for the last few years. So getting that offensive line better, the backups. John Glennon, what do you want to see in this last game? Well, as we talked about earlier, I'd, I'd like to see, Le- you know, we saw Malik Willis get a basically a full game against Minnesota. I'd, li- I'd like to see Levis get a lot of opportunities here in this last one to, to show what, what he has learned. Uh, you know, and, and if he has improved from one preseason game to the next. And I'm also looking forward, it sounds as if, you know, some of the first teamers will play a little bit. And one guy I think will, will play a few snaps anyways, Harold Landry. And that's going to be a great sign for, for Titans fans, you know, after missing an entire year from ACL. He's going to get back out there, it sounds like, at least for a few games. So I think that'll be a great thing to see. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna be watching Michael Badgley. I I want to see what the what the Titans might have seen in this guy, how he looks different two years down the road, and and why they think maybe he can do the job now that they clearly didn't think he could do two years ago. But uh, those discussions, the final roster, all that we will discuss next week here on the Believe in Titans podcast. As always, thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.